Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, the Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, to this issue 98 of the DC Primetime Podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network from the Showcast Spotlight, also here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. We are, like I said, uh, issue 98 of the podcast, just two away from our 100th, and we're not going to give everything away but we will just let you know right now uh things are shaping up we will have something special for the 100th yeah and and i it's so hard not to tell you guys right now what at least one of those things is and there's definitely a possibility for more and that more could be really awesome the the more uh... (laughs) the more could be potentially the biggest thing this not this podcast, the biggest thing this podcast network has ever done. And I will tell you right now, I, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm already excited. I, I will tell you, we'll tell you this. We're not going to tell you who it is, but we have booked a guest from the world of DC. I'm not going to say whether it's movies, comic book, television, anything like that. We have booked a guest from the world of DC to join us on the 100th issue Um as a bonus feature, it, it's not go- They're not going to talk to us. They're not going to talk with us about the shows and everything. We're going to do normal for that. But we will have a conversation with this p- 
person for the 100th. And even if this is the only person that we book for the 100th, I'm already super stoked. Yeah, I was uh, I was damn giddy when I got that phone call from you a couple of nights ago that that got locked in. And uh, yeah, that was uh, it was damn exciting. It was really, really exciting because this is one of those people that I really just wanted to talk to for some time. So I will say this. If you've listened to our Teddy Sears interview, uh, expect it to be in that style format. Um, and if it expands, I think we are talking about issue 100 will not be a traditional issue. It will be, if it, that expands to multiple guests, uh, issue 100 will get released as issue 100, and then 100.5 will be the normal episode. There's yeah. not going to be a break. We will do both. We'll make sure that there'll be the interview, and then there'll also be a normal episode if it goes beyond a single interview. But yes. as you mentioned, uh, if it's the one interview, which we're already incredibly stoked about, that'll get tacked on to the end of the episode. And if if the other potential – there's a couple other potentials that could be joining us for the 100th. But uh, as you mentioned, there's just one in particular that I, is not off the board. Like it's, it's, it's totally – It's very much on the board. It's very much on the board and very likely at this point. Um, so we're still waiting to hear back. We still have about two weeks before we have to come up with a cutoff. But <clears throat> a little less than two weeks, actually. But so maybe like a week and a half before we have to come up with a cutoff for this. So plenty of time to make this happen. And I, again, like I said, if it happens, it will arguably arguably be the largest thing this network has ever done. And I will tell you right now, I've interviewed close to 200 celebrities. I've been on panels in front of hundreds of people. I've never gotten nervous. I've never geeked out. I've always been able to kind of just suppress it. Um, but if this one happens, uh, forgive my language, I'm going to fucking geek. Uh, I, If we book that, I'm going to vomit is probably what's going to happen. <laughs> um, I'm going to be brutally honest. <laughs> so, Because um, I... I I will have no reaction, and I will go full on Chris Farley. <laughs> so, <laughs> remember that time Ty, that you, you did this? Uh, yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of still some already great stuff booked for the 100th in about two weeks, uh, and so, uh, potentially even more still on the board right now. So, we're already excited to bring you something really cool and something super fun and and uh, just awesome for the hundredth. Um, so, yeah, so look forward to that. Two weeks, man, two weeks away. We're, we're going to have this, and it's going to be great. And the cool thing is, even if some of these guests can't do the 100th, we already have Irons of the Fire now for a ton of people. So that could mean the 100th celebration could go on more than one episode. Uh, and it, it, may, it may just be coming out as episodes 100.1, 100.2, yeah. so on and so forth. But regardless, um, DC Primetime, we promised you guys this year we would go above and beyond, and I think that's really going to happen for you guys. And yes. thank you guys for everything. It's so crazy to think that we are now two episodes away from the number 100. We're already past doing 100 episodes together uh, between annuals and whatnot. But as an official 100 milestone marker for us, this is really awesome. And we couldn't have done it if you guys didn't tune in to listen. So, yeah, that's just fantastic. Thank you guys for everything. Um, man, I, I can't wait for you guys to hear what we're doing. I can't wait. I, I'm like I'm with you. Like I just want to post it so bad. And, and I think we're not gonna post it. I think you guys are gonna tune in, and you're gonna be like, or it's gonna be the day that that posts, and you guys are gonna be like, wait, what? So 
Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, maybe like the day before we might post it. Um, we'll see. Or we'll, we'll, you and me will discuss because sometimes there's something special about like that Christmas morning surprise kind of. Yeah, so. but I think like because I know one of the reasons right now we're not posting anything is because like we're getting excited about it. And I've had interviews that have been scheduled I've been excited about. And there every once in a while there are things that happen and, and interviews fall through. Um, and that's one of the main reasons we're not posting anything now. But I think once we record it. Then it'll probably get announced. I, it'll get announced. Yeah, I think once we've recorded it, we know it's already in the bag. It's part of the 100th. I think then we can kind of hype it up a little bit. We can post it and we can hype it and and go from there. So, but yeah, we'll I see. Well, uh, we'll yeah. we'll discuss it. We'll have a fun rollout. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, but to regular business this week, we are back to full strength with all four shows returning this week. I know last week. I had mentioned Black Lightning was still on a break this week, and I was incorrect. Black Lightning did return with a new episode this week. So we got all four shows rolling out, and oh, this was a struggle. <laughs> um, it was not a good, not the best week for, uh, for the some of Arrowverse them. and, uh, and the, you know, the, the Lightningverse. I mean, not to say that I think Black Lightning was bad this week at all. I think it was actually, there was a lot of fun to be had, but it was a 50-50 week across the board. Um, two shows not doing too hot. Uh, one show giving us a lot of fun, and another show really close to uh, breaking out of that middle ground um, and into the upper echelon. So I guess we should just dive into it. I, I, there was a part of my brain this week that was thinking maybe the format of the show needs to change as we're getting into go into the hundred, and it's called save the best for last. <laughs> so well, I was we get the chaff out of the way, but I don't think we can even do that this week. So no, um, and I was also thinking too that I mean, while it's fun to have long and lengthy conversations about some of these things, I think going past the hundredth, I think we're also going to try and trim things back a little bit. Um, we're still going to talk about all four shows and such, but I think we're going to try to limit the amount of time that we talk about it. Like, I, it's one thing to spend, like last week when we had just Legends, and it was a fantastic episode of Legends, and we spent like a good half hour, I think, discussing that episode. But when we're at full strength and we have four episodes to talk about, plus news, plus recommendations, plus the opening and everything else, it, the podcast can tend to run kind of long. Um, so I think maybe after the 100th, Rob, this is something you and I will have to talk about, but I think maybe limiting each show to just 10 to 12 minutes. Yeah, um, uh, it's it's obviously, you know, it's when we get impassioned about something, things just go out the window quickly. Um, and I think, and I can tell you that's going to happen in, an ep in a review of an episode this week. I think regardless, there's no way around it. No. There's going to be a very impassioned discussion today. Um but yeah, I'm right there with you. I do understand that completely, especially because I think you and me are both like, is it our responsibility to try to, if we love Krypton, to be able to talk about it here? Um, we're no longer just talking about the Arrowverse the way that they say Black Lightning fits into the greater whole. Um, I know I'm a massive Titans fan, and I would be really disappointed with us if we didn't review Titans. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but if Krypton ends up being the show that we just adore... Um, we have to make a call. And if that means, hey, you know what? We're going to do every one of these shows because we really love every one of these shows. Then we have to have a timeline for each one of these things. The opening will have to be quick and faster and punchier. And 
then we dive in and go through the pro uh, the process and make sure each show gets their due and just discuss it and move on. So yeah, because it's something I'm kind of realizing right now as well is that we we dropped Gotham because Gotham didn't fall into the Arrowverse, but if you think about it technically, neither does Black Lightning. Exactly, and, and we're and we're, we're covering that. Yeah, so. Uh, you're right. It's not exactly fair that we dropped Gotham because I'll admit I'm still watching Gotham. Gotham has gotten better. It's not what it was when we decided to drop it. It's got it's actually gotten significantly better. And you're right. It's it's kind of not fair. I mean, if we wanted to stick to that format, we would kind of have to not talk about Black Lightning at the same time mm-hmm. um, because we don't know if it's going to cross over into the Arrowverse. And I think the producers have said it's probably not. So and then with Teen Titans, you're right. And Krypton, like these are shows I want to check out. And if we want to talk about them, I think we're going to have to start limiting our time to them. And then we're going to also have to play fair. I mean, if we start to incorporate Krypton and Teen Titans into it, we're probably going to have to bring Gotham back into the fold. Yeah, it's a possibility. Um, There's a lot to discuss, and I think that's that's for you and me to sit down and really kind of figure out where the future of things fall the moment that DC streaming service kicks off. it, it, there's so many conversations to have with so many new shows getting added to the mix. We haven't even brought up Metropolis into this. There's going to be the new Harley Quinn animated series. We haven't even touched a single one of the CW Seed animated series. We have the Ray show that's going to start up this year. Constantine. Constantine, which we just got news on the premiere date for that. Uh, we never touched the Vixen animated series. There's a lot to go through. We're going to have to record uh, twice a week. Yeah, oh my god, I don't think I could handle that. <laughs> and then we even have Young Justice, which is a show I'm incredibly excited for. I've been counting the moments down for that. So Wait, there's an Injustice show? Oh, not Injustice, sorry. Uh, Young oh. Justice. Young oh, Justice. I was like, uh, whoa, what the hell? Um, yeah, oh no, there's an Injustice show. We would definitely be talking about that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there's just a lot for us to have to unpack, not to mention when we review a game, when te- like Telltale does something, when an animated movie comes out. We haven't even touched the last Batman 66 animated film yet. Um, yes, we did. There's a, uh, No, not Batman, and, uh, uh, the Two-Face one uh, with William Shatner. We still have never reviewed that one. I thought so. we did. Nope. We only did the very first Batman 66 animated uh, where your brain's probably thinking of is that kind of crossed my brain as well. I'm like, did we do that? Uh, no, because I have never even watched that. It's still unwatched on my books. Oh, oh okay. so so that's one for uh, one for summer, apparently. So. All right. Uh, but yeah, there's just a lot for us to really have to think about. And how do we do this? And how best do we do this? So the hundredth is not only going to be fun and a milestone. It's going to be. Uh, the new starting point. Yeah. DC it, primetime rebirth. <laughs> so uh, it could be rebirth, man. Episode 101. Um, yeah, it could be could be rebirth. So changes uh, afoot, I think. Yeah. So we'll see. But let's talk this week um, mm-hmm. and, and let's talk these shows uh, for this week as well. So first things first, let's go through. Let's give our ratings for the week of the four shows, starting first with Legends of Tomorrow season three, episode 12. Uh, sidekick, hero, or legend? Um, I'm gonna go legend for Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> so I, I just can't not. It's this is continuing just the obscene amount of fun. They definitely did some things I didn't expect with some characters, like you know Edward Teach, aka Blackbeard, which I thought was kind of fun and amusing. But there was a lot of fun to be had in this one, and I am all for it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's a legend for me as well. Um, and I almost, uh, you know, I'll save it for the for the conversation. But yeah, I, I, it's a legend for me as well. This this show has been so strong since it came back that I just, 
I'm in for the rest of the season on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, The Flash, season four, episode 14, sidekick, hero, or legend? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> this one pains, pained me a little bit. Uh, not that I say I think it was the worst episode of the show. Um, that goes to another episode from this season. Uh, but I would say this was not the a strong point for, for Flash. Um but I will still give it a hero. But I would say this is was just on the precipice of ending in a sidekick for me. Um, it was really not far away from that moment at all. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm actually going hero as well. I'm going a little higher. I'm going mid-level hero. There were some things that were part of this episode that I struggled with a little bit. But there were a couple, I think, really good moments that came out of this at the same time. So um, kind of mid-range, mid-hero for me on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Black Lightning, Season 1, Episode 6, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? This one definitely gets a high hero. Um, the, the only reason I think this didn't push into Legend territory for me really boiled down to the show is finally going through its paces and doing some interesting, fun things. Uh, we finally had that big, huge moment we've been waiting for for the Pierce family. But it also asked a lot more questions and still gave us zero answers. Um, And I think that's the only thing that's driving me a little bit nuts. It keeps building and building and building with no resolutions. And that's driving me a little crazy because we don't have many episodes left. We're already at, I think, the halfway point of the show. So, um, yeah, it's but I would stay still fun, still enjoy these characters, uh, but it doesn't make it out of that hero rating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same with me. Uh, High Hero on this one as well um, made me realize, too, watching this episode that out of all the people I reached out to for our 100th, I completely forgot to reach out to James Remar, which I'll be doing this weekend. Um, So, spoiler alert, our booked guest is not James Remar. Uh, Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, um, High Hero for this one as well. You're right. Still more questions that are... um, are getting posed as we go through and not a lot of answers that are coming out of it, but we're halfway through the season. I think a little just under halfway next week. We'll, we'll kind of break that halfway point uh, mm-hmm. through the season. So still time to get the answers that we need. Oh, plenty. They're still building that mystery, but it's still driving me nuts that I'm like, how is everything fitting together still? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I, it's getting hard to keep track of the questions. I think that's the problem. Yeah. So, uh, and now for the fun one, uh arrow season six episode 14 sidekick or what are you giving it <laughs> sidekick dude, sorry a little scamble in that <laughs> dude you stole that that's what i was gonna use too i was totally gonna use that uh, uh yeah i hate to say it but actually no i don't um i there's no way in my brain could give that anything better than that um that's uh, oof. <laughs> not the worst episode of this show either but, but not, definitely in its its top ten worst episodes of all time. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a really rough episode. It was a sidekick for me as well. I wanted so bad halfway through this episode for it to kind of pick up a little bit and there be some kind of resolution that made me say like, okay, that was decent. I'll I'll at least up it to like a low tier low tier hero. Uh, but I didn't get it by the end of the episode. It, it just kept falling further down, and I'm like, huh. And I'm like, I didn't think it could get worse. Uh, oh, it did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, horribly yeah. written and some um, some definitely differences of opinions on characters that I never Ooh. thought I would have. And I'm uh, – we'll talk uh, about it. Right. We'll talk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, 
uh, spoiler alert, that is the impassionate speech that will definitely be happening in this episode. So, <laughs> right. uh, so yeah, so let's jump back to the beginning and break down the episode, starting first with uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3, Episode 12, titled The Curse of the Earth Totem. While Sarah talks, takes some prime time, the Legends follow a lead on the whereabouts of the Earth Totem and find themselves in 1717 on the hunt for Blackbeard's treasure. Uh, man, so much fun. I'm... I, by the end of this episode, I wanted to jump back into Assassin's Creed Black Flag and, mm, and just yeah. become a pirate again. Because I, I don't know what it is. Like, there there are three genres of story that I absolutely love. And we've gotten... Ooh, can I guess Can I guess, Can I I guess? guess two of them for you? And also that probably connects best with you. Well, right. we've, we've already gotten one of them on Legends. So I will say yeah. that. But yeah, so take a wild got, guess. I would say Knights. So yep. Arthurian is going to be definitely Arthurian one. is one of them. Pirates. Pirates is another one. I don't know what the third's going to be, though. Third one um, would fo- probably follow more into the world of Arrow than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Robin Hood and Tales of Sherwood. Oh, okay. Okay. So nice. these are three kind of stories that I've always grown up loving. Uh, and I, I had the opportunity, uh, you know, I raved when we had the Arthurian episode of legends and the once in future king uh you know i even got to talk to brandon routh about that which i thought was super exciting for me and now we've gotten pirates so now all we need is we need them to go to sherwood forest at some point but it doesn't exist so i don't know if it's ever going to happen well camelot technically in the way that they brought it up in the show kind of didn't exist well that classic arthurian legend you know i mean there's rumblings that part of it but again more myth than probably certain factual that's true so you never we know. Could, we could potentially see it. Find ways to make it work. Yeah. So. But just the fact that they were in a, a pirate, you know, the world of pirates this time, um, I absolutely loved this episode. This episode was so much fun. And <laughs> one of the best moments that and you and I agreed on this, you, you've already heard it because it was the opening of the podcast. Um, Rip and Wally singing Careless Whisper. <laughs> it's and i think anybody that watches all four of these shows and listens to our show knew the moment that that <laughs> happened in legends that that would be what you'd hear at the start of this week's episode yeah the so. moment the moment i heard it there was a big smile on my face and i was like you know what haven't seen the other three episodes yet already know this is the opening of the show oh yeah there was no way to beat that <laughs> not at all <laughs> and it's it, you know what it's funny too because it's there are two things, and we'll talk – it kind of bookends the conversation of this podcast because one happened in Legend, one happens in Arrow. There are two relatively comparison – two relative comparisons to the Marvel Universe in the shows this week. Um, you can take Careless Whisper and kind of compare it to Deadpool because Careless Whisper was a big part of Deadpool, um, and that was – he loved Wham. He sang Careless Whisper at one point, and it's the closing credits of the movie as well. And then there's another comparison I can make to the Marvel Universe when we get to Arrow at the end, but we'll save that to the end. But this was a comparison to the Marvel Universe. I didn't mind, because it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, it really was. And you know what? Like I said, because we're talking about the show, I think I, there's some some extra credit we need score-wise. We need to give to Legends, not just as an episode for this week, but as a show. I don't know how they managed to do it, but it's it's got to has to go just to the credit to the writers because they've kind of taken the misfits of the Arrowverse, like those characters that just didn't get a chance to shine on the shows that they originally premiered in, and pull them together and make them even better characters. Like 
ones that were not likable. I was not a big fan of Sarah Lance at all. Uh, and when Legends of Tomorrow started, I'm like, she's fantastic because they really gave her room to shine and grow. Wally was a character we talked about for nonstop from last season for The Flash and this season early on in The Flash that if any character got more of the, you know, just, just shunted to the background, it was Wally West. And it looks like he's going to finally get his dues on the Legends team, which is awesome. I really love that. Ray had a really great start on Arrow, but kind of drifted into the background. Became and a very secondary. Yeah, he became a very secondary character. Right. And it was just kind of you know, the way that it just happens when you have these really heavy cast heavy shows that um, all of these characters, the best versions of their, those characters have all appeared on Legends of Tomorrow. And it really is the credit to these writers. So the fact that we saw in seven minutes of screen time a version of Wally West that I've been waiting for that was just fun, enjoyable, and honestly my favorite version of that character came from Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. It was that fun-loving character that was truly just different than Barry Allen. And in five minutes they gave it to me and I was like, you know what? I am so happy he's a part of this team. Yeah, oh, no, I agree with you completely. I mean, and we might as well uh, the the Wally and Rip storyline stayed separate from the rest of the uh, you know from the the rest of the Legend storyline. So while we're on it, we might as well talk about uh, just spend a minute or two on it. This is honestly just so much fun seeing these two characters interact. And uh, again, like when we heard the announcement that Wally was going to be joining the Wave Rider, I was excited for it, but I didn't know exactly how it was going to work. And now that we're starting to see the beginning stages of it, I. I don't care. <laughs> it's it's already so much fun, and he hasn't even stepped foot on the Wave Rider yet. I know. Uh, so I, it was like, just that beautiful build up at the end where it was just as they were going through and just kind of having a drunken bitch set uh, session back and forth about how they felt like nothing is going right for them. Wally feels like Team Flash just didn't appreciate him. Uh, you know, the Time Bureau and the Legends not being able to work with you know, rip all these things and just watching them just kind of commiserating together in a drunken just prank fest, essentially, uh, was just so much fun. Um, I mean, that's the best thing you can always say about the show. The show is the definition of fun. It really, really is. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there was a little bit of a tie in to the main storyline. Um, they kind of, you know, went to the Ava and Sarah date and that Ava gets the, the, the news that rip has, uh, you know that somebody broke into the time bureau and stole rip's jacket so there there mm -hmm. was a very very loose tie-in but um there's something else that kind of comes out of this that i didn't expect and i want to know what your curiosity is by the uh what your opinion on this is too by the end of last week's episode you know we see that there are empty seats on the wave rider we see that um snart has now left uh constantine has taken his his bowels off of it at least until the end of the season which we have a little bit more news on a little bit later and we knew that wally and rip were joining the wave rider but i can potentially see another seat being filled now with ava it's very possible. I think there is a chance we could see her character maybe added into the mix, but I could also see her being the one to take over the Time Bureau and working alongside them. So there's a lot of possibilities still to unfold. I mean, we're getting pretty close to the end here. There's not much more to go. So it's just the question of how they play this whole thing out. But I could see that as well. I think that is a very large possibility. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely something I could see, especially with – 
what I think is one of the most awesome moments of this episode with Sarah and Ava fighting pirates on the Wave Rider. Mm-hmm. Like, that was an amazing moment, and we got to see... Um, I love those moments. Like, it's... it's Yes, we've seen Sarah jump into bed and sleep her way through through time. Um, but I'm really liking the interactions with her and Ava. Yeah, um, it's actually a really fun, unique dynamic. And it's not something we've really gotten from Sarah yet, is an actual full-on in-depth relationship with the exception of what we saw from her in Arrow with Ollie. And that was it. So this is a really nice way for all these pieces to kind of come together and for her to start the process of her potential happy ending. So it's a wait and see on how this is going to go. Yeah. Uh, But I love the fact that they built towards a future and you can see chemistry between these two actresses. They did a really decent job of how they are playing their characters and their interactions together. So. Again, props to the show on doing a decent job here. I think the one thing that they've consistently done uh, with CW and these shows is done a really just great job with a, re- a representation of the LBGTQ. So um, so big props to them here again. I think uh, kudos definitely goes to the writers and making that work and believable and function in a really positive way and represent well on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um Let's talk pirates. I mean, because obviously, yeah, uh... you know, we're seeing Blackbeard the pirate and, um, you know, we're seeing some really cool stuff. And it's almost to the point where and this was what I was going to talk about when we were doing the ranking. But um, I'll bring it up now. I almost there was a part of me so bad through the run of this episode that wanted me that I wanted to find out that somewhere deep down, Mick and Blackbeard were related. <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to see that happen. Like I wanted like just a throwaway moment to find out that Blackbeard, because they both have that rough and tumble kind of attitude about themselves and they kind of both talk similarly, at least in this episode. So there was a part of me that just wanted like a quick throwaway moment where you found out that Mick was a distant relative of Blackbeard, the pirate. See, that could have been really fun. I, I think thought it would have been fun. I think one of the things that kind of actually after you brought that up now is making me be like kind of like, huh, they didn't do that in this episode. Most of the anachronisms they've been dealing with have dealt with for some way, shape and form the legends and somebody in the legends, you know, past or potential future. We have in the last actually since they came out of break, we've seen a break from that, which has been kind of interesting. So I'm wondering how that's going to tilt back or if we it's going to tilt back towards that at all. So um, it's a big Big wait and see, I guess. But yeah, that would have been a really cool touch or I would have seen that even work somewhat if that worked towards Leonard Snart. If that was a connection to him somewhere in the past, too, because that would have been interesting. But I think, you know, one of the things I got to really ask you specifically, because we both love pirate stories. What did you think of this version of Blackbeard? Um, It's funny you bring that up because I did think about that. And that was something I I did think about because obviously we've seen many iterations of Blackbeard the Pirate. You know, we've seen uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I mentioned Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which Blackbeard is in that as well. So we've seen a lot of different iterations. Um, Not my favorite uh, iteration of Blackbeard. And when I say that, I mean in the physical sense. I think they could have done more to him. Like, they could have given him more pirate dreads. They could have done more to it. This version of Blackbeard seemed to me, at least physically, someone who could have just blended in with the rest of the pirates. Uh, They could have given him a little bit of a different look, a more badass look. But, you know, that's 
it is what it is. And it almost seemed like the beard almost looked a little faked to me. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. No, well, I was going to say, now what, what about your thoughts personality-wise? Personality-wise, um, I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, it. Especially, there was a moment where, uh, towards the end of the episode, when they were getting ready to go up against Damien Dark, they were going to get the treasure. And, you know, Blackbeard, everybody's getting ready to join uh, Captain Jue's crew. And... You know, Blackbeard comes in and says, you guys are all going to turn against me. Well, I'm right there with you. Like that moment when he does that quick little turn, I'm like, all right, that's fun. So it was uh, a li- it was a little Jack Sparrowy kind of, yes, uh, you know, yeah. and, but there's nothing wrong with that. I think it was because no, I love because, Jack. Sparrow. I think it. Yeah. And I think, you know what it is, too, that and the reason this works so well is when the character came in, everybody's like, oh, dear God, it's Blackbeard. And it was this imposing. And then all of a sudden he was the absolute opposite of what you expect from Blackbeard. And I think that's why it works so well. They completely took that idea and kind of made him a bit of a coward. Um, and that, I think, was fun. They said, okay, you know, he has this big myth built up about him. And it kind of mirrored what they were saying. Is all pirates really like is a good story. Yes. And that's, they, it, it, and that, that's what worked about this. Yeah. I mean, it, it's even the same thing that when, you know, Mick makes up Captain Jue on the spot. And in a matter of minutes, there's already tales about her. Um, yeah, you know, and- just from like the bartender and the pirate sitting at the bar. And it it really goes to show that while us now in modern day think of Blackbeard as like this badass pirate, um, he really probably was not like that at all. And it was just like you said, pirates just really love a good story. And he was it has just been built up over time. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we do know historically Blackbeard was a bit of a badass. Yes, but, he was. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think in the version for Legends that they did here, it was a great way to spin that story completely differently and give us something that we didn't expect. And I really appreciate the fact that they did that. I didn't want it to be this cut dry version of this character that we're like, OK, cool. This makes all the sense in the world and we'll just go from there. Yeah, well, I mean, we've gotten different iterations of characters that we've loved, uh, that we've known about. Uh, I mean, we got, you know, a different iteration of P.T. Barnum than we expected in an earlier episode. And, uh, you know, the Musketeers and the Queens and things like that. So I'm totally fine with whatever versions of these characters this show wants to throw at us. Absolutely. So um trying to think of what else. I mean, they're really... well. We got to get into the totems now because there was a big change by the end of the episode. So um, you definitely see the death of uh, Damien's daughter in this. No, you and, do not. Well, almost. You almost, almost. see the death of her. <laughs> yes. Almost see the death. She is on her way to meet her maker by the end of this episode, which it's at the hands of Ray. And Ray now it, kind of beating himself up for the situation because he, he bonded with her as when she was a kid. And it ate him up. And he was like, you know what? I got to find a way to undo what I did. Goes back to that moment on the beach with Damien uh, Damien and her and says, this is how you stop her from dying. Um, And it was just in the exchange for Amaya's totem, which was stolen in the episode. And it does not go (laughs) the way that Ray expects because (laughs) Ray looks at the best of everybody. (laughs) So... And I think that's his his Achilles heel in all this. And yeah. uh, we end the episode with uh, Damien and her now having possession of 
you know, Amaya's totem and now Ray. <laughs> so, well, but it, be- uh, it begs the question, though. I mean, is he going to keep Ray and the totem for himself, or is he kind of going to kind of implant Ray back into the Wave Rider as, um, as a spy, as a minion? Um, you know, because we don't see what happens of it. All he know, all we know is that he says by the end. You know, we can make use of him, and but we don't know in what direction that means. So, I would not be surprised if we're going to get a spy on the Wave Rider. I think actually, what it's going to end up being is so you have your angle, and that my thought is that's the bargaining chip to get Zari's totem. So, okay, uh, um, yeah, so it's a big wait and see. So, oh, yeah, actually, I'm, very curious. I'm, I'm reading next week's, and it says after being taken hostage by the darks. So, you're right. <laughs> so um that's my guess is where we're going next week is to uh to get zari's totem and now the legends also have the earth totem so they have two totems in their possession one more out or is it two more out there to i find? think there's two more there's the fire totem two more. and right. and then there's the mystery totem that they don't know what it is right and um well we have a good idea on more than likely who is going to end up possessing that fire totem by the end of the season so we do uh i guess it's jack's Oh, we know Jax, we know Jax is returning. Yeah. Yeah. So, so oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. How do you become fire? Bear. That's right. I didn't even think of that. Oh, so, okay. so uh, that's my thought on where we're going. So it's uh, I don't think Jax is gone for good. I think we'll definitely see him back in the mix before season's end or maybe at least to help out in that final battle. But it's a good wait and see. Yeah. So um, anything else about this episode? Uh, to discuss before we move on to the Flash. No, I it was just a thoroughly enjoyable episode yet again. Yeah, so. it's good and, uh, and ultimately too, Nate and Ray make horrible looking pirates. <laughs> so <laughs> Ray, Ray in particular. Yeah, he looks so just ridiculously silly, but it was just kind of precious in the way that Ray is precious. Yes, so exactly. Uh, looking forward to next week, uh, episode 13, after being taken hostage by the Darks, Ray teams with Nora to fix the fire totem in the 1960s East Germany and come face-to-face with a younger and deadlier version of Damien. So Ooh. it looks like we're going to see the fire totem, but we might not get as to as to who the holder is by that time. Yeah, uh, it's a big wait and see on that one. So uh, looking forward to it. Yep. Uh, that's all I can say. And I think in two weeks from now, there's an episode that it's the legends go and save rock and roll. And all my brain can think of is Bill and Ted. So oh, uh, <laughs> it, there's got to be a phone booth in there somewhere. I hope so, because we do know it. I think it's like set in 1954. So uh, I'm wondering how they're going to play that out. But I'm I'm looking forward to it and excited. Oh, that would be awesome if there really is like a Bill and Ted somewhere in the episode. I don't know how they pull it off, but. Um, hey, you know what? In, in addition to that, a very, very connected tie to uh, you know Back to the Future again with uh, Johnny B. Good. So, hey, yeah, uh, let's let's wait and see on how that plays out. Very, very so. true. Uh, all right, moving on next to the Flash, season four, episode fourteen, titled "Subject Nine. Barry meets a powerful woman whose abilities could help him in his battle with Devoe. Meanwhile, after learning that Devoe is targeting everyone who is on the bus, Ralph decides he doesn't want to be a hero anymore. His only concern is staying alive. And that didn't exactly play out that way in this episode either. Yeah, uh, not at all. No, uh, he was all about suiting up all uh, this episode. Yeah, so. Poor synopsis on CW's part. Yeah. So. Um, and then the final part of the synopsis, uh, Harry offers to help Cecile with her problem with Joe. Um, so, yeah, it, that synopsis didn't exactly play out that well as any, uh, 
didn't play out that way at all. So that's kind of interesting. I don't know where they got that synopsis from. Uh, but we do meet another meta in this episode. We get to meet uh, Subject 9, as, you know, as it says, the 9 of the 12. Still three remaining, uh, and it's going to be – I think we're going to start seeing them pop up at some point. Uh, but kind of disappointed. There's a couple things that happened in this. I loved a lot of the moments with Ralph. Uh, with Ralph and Izzy, the interactions between the two of them. Um, again, you know, some sad moments for Ralph. We saw him really built a connection to Izzy, and then by the end, obviously, we know DeVoe has taken over uh, not only her powers, but her her body as well, uh, which was another bummer for me because we were just saying last week, or two weeks ago, three weeks ago, before The Flash took its break, um, that I liked sugar beard the actress that plays becky sharp and it looked like we were going to see more of her and now she's gone so um and you know what that's the only thing i'm a little getting concerned about here now is uh, devoe was interesting when we had him as clifford devoe and then very interesting and even more interesting when he switched to dominic and now it it's kind of like if we're just going to be bouncing body to body to body there you don't feel connected to the villain anymore it's because it feels like there's a slightly different personality because you're constantly having somebody else portray the character. And it's – I don't know why, but it, it when we had you know uh, Sugar doing her version of the character, it was interesting. But then we didn't even have time to connect to that version of the character. Now it is already – you know it's the version of Izzy that we got. So uh, I'm a little – I have a definite heavy concern about that. But I, I think now more than ever, I think we all can agree Ralph is going to be the final version of this before the end uh, because DeVos is going through bodies like Kleenex at this point. Um, I, so and, and I, I, I don't know how I feel about this, but I think Hartley Sawyer is going to do a great job. But I think we're going to get that sooner than we realize because there's only three metas left. So I have a feeling by episode 21 um, – DeVoe will be inside Ralph's body. Which will really suck, but I mean, especially if it turns out the same way as it has before, but I'm really hoping that, um, you know, we got the tie-ins to last season with Savitar and this cerebral inhibitor uh, that apparently doesn't, didn't work. I think it does. I think they're just going to have to make modifications. Uh, At least that's my prediction for this. I think this is something that if DeVoe does indeed take over Ralph, this is what's going to save Ralph by the end. Um, But I will say, I mean, again, a lot of highs and lows in this episode. I didn't, you know, one of the lows is not feeling connected to the DeVoe character any longer, as you had just mentioned. Uh, Some of the highs were the moments with Ralph seeing him sad with the connection, but I absolutely loved, again, this is jumping to the end. I loved the post credit scene. Um, Yeah, that was actually incredibly touching. I think, again, this show doesn't, lose heart ever in that that three as we always kind of go back to it's that three tag piece that's in the writer's room that's humor heart and spectacle and the heart is always just flawless in the show they always do it so incredibly well um and that was i think one of my favorite moments like that yeah i mean and it's it's one of those things it's one of those moments too you know we we get the touching moment between barry and and ralph and ralph giving barry you know his own business card that says private investigator because as we do find out uh he's on a leave of absence from the pd uh from ccpd and you know there was that moment where he didn't know how to introduce himself he he said you know i'm barry allen from ccp and he couldn't finish that because he knew he wasn't with him. So when Ralph gives him that business card and makes him a partner, 
in his private investigation firm. That's where the heart comes in. But then there's the very end of that moment when, and this is what goes completely against that synopsis that IMDb has posted about him wanting to not be a hero, questioning if he wants to be a hero. We know full well by the end of this, he absolutely does want to be a hero. There was never a question in his mind, especially because of what happens to Izzy in this episode. He flat out says by the end of this episode, we're going to find these metas. We're going to save them. And then when it's all over, we're going to take, I'm not we're, I'm going to take DeVoe down. Yeah. Like there's no question in his mind. And I don't think there ever was that he is a hero. Right, and we saw such a great um, characterization of Ralph Dibney in this season so far. He went from this absolutely unlikable character to the person you're rooting for. And right now, I think that's one of the struggles this season starting to fall into. This season feels like this is no longer The Flash. It's starting to feel a little bit more like this is the Elongated Man series. And that's not a bad thing. But I am getting a little bit concerned that this season is starting to kind of fall apart a little bit. And I am a little concerned that because we have so much more still to go. Um, I mean, we still have, what, one, two, three, eight, nine episodes to go and only three more metas. And I'm like, where are they going to or how are they going to pull this off? Because, again, three bus metas left. Uh, a lot of characters falling by the wayside. And how is this going to play out and get Barry back to the forefront of the show? Because he has not been for, it feels like, quite some time. Well, we know that um, next week's episode is not going to be one of the three metas. Um, right. Yeah, you know, with the, I forget what the title of the episode. Enter uh, Flash Time. Enter Flash Time. This coming yeah. week. Right. Uh, which is going to be great because we're going to see the return of two former speedsters coming back into the fray as well. Um but yeah, and, and this is something that I kind of addressed. I don't know if it was last season or the season before, but I know I've addressed this at some point in time before. I had said before that I don't want to see, like it was one thing when it was like Cisco, um, when it was, uh, you know, like um, Cisco and Caitlin as the people behind the computer and, you know, and Iris helping them out. One of the things I didn't want to see was every member of this team develop some kind of power. And now we have Cisco as Vibe, Caitlin as Killer Frost. We're going to see Iris, if even just for an episode, become a speedster. It takes away from the focus on Barry. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to see it. And I think that's something that the show is... I don't think the show is struggling with. I think it just needs to adapt to it a little bit better. It... It's putting the focus... Now, don't get me wrong. I love Hartley as Ralph. Ralph has become one of my favorite characters this season, um, even more so than Wells, and that's only because we haven't seen Wells that much this season. But I, I don't want to... I They think they need to find that way, like you mentioned, to get that focus back on Barry as the head of this show. Right. I mean, he, he really feels kind of like... He's in the he's standing on the sidelines with Caitlin and Cisco this season. Um, neither of the three of those characters have felt like they've had a very strong, um, strong appearance this season. It, it feels like it has been very much on Ralph. And that's again, I love his character. Hartley Sawyer has been doing an amazing job. Uh, you know, Barry spent, what, three episodes in prison, you know, as things went through. And, you know, we did have, you know, the crossover this year with Crisis on Earth X. 
Um, there, so much has happened this season, and I know we're just now finishing episode fourteen, but still, uh, it's there. There's they they need to find a way to get back on track a little bit. And it's not to say that the season's been bad at all. No, but not I at do all. Think, I do think if they don't tighten up and tighten up soon, uh, it really could impact the final nine. So, yeah. I mean, and also going back to something we had mentioned before as well, as far as the way this season may wrap up, it looks like we're getting to see more of the seeds planted uh, in Marlies DeVoe, a.k.a. the mechanic, probably turning coat on DeVoe and ending up helping Team Flash to stop him. More so. than likely, I I think it's um you're you're starting to see exactly how things are going to play out, and I think it's starting to not leave too much mystery, like kind of the way that we got last year, or you know, the, well actually all three years of this show. There's always been that heavy mystery leading in. The only thing we don't know is what is the enlightenment, and that's kind of about it. But we have a good idea on how it's all going to play out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so trying to think if there's anything else I really wanted to mention about this um uh, you know like i said aside from the fact that now izzy is the new embodiment of devoe i think that really kind of covers everything um I, I mean next week don't get me wrong i saw the promos for it i am beyond excited jesse quick and jay garrick win barry side by side is this going to be a ton of fun i love when you get to pull a whole bunch of speedsters together um and it's kind of Sad that you to know that Wally doesn't get to be a part of this, but I think he also gets to shine elsewhere next week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and it looks like two weeks from now is when we're going to see the next of the uh, remaining three uh, metahuman bus metas uh, because um, the ne- two weeks from now is the Run Iris Run episode, which we know it is one of the bus metas that allows th- uh, Barry and Iris to switch. Um, yeah, I think it's a uh, melting pot is the villain's name. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So looking forward to next week, man. Enter flash time. Barry, Jesse Quick and Jay Garrick slow down time when a nuclear bomb detonates in downtown Central City. So mm-hmm. um looking forward. I mean, and we did get a lot of, um, you know, one of the other things that we, we didn't really touch base on in this episode is the whole Harry and Cecile moments. And it's a lot of inner struggle with you know with harry missing jesse so hopefully we're going to see a little bit more of a conflict resolution come to pass next week with jesse finally coming back to central city absolutely and you know i'm looking forward to seeing her back in the mix with the show and finding out what everything's been like on earth too for her as as a hero maybe we'll find out a little bit more and get some name drops as far as who's part of her team so uh, really excited to find out more about that. So uh, it's never a bad thing when uh, it's Violet Bean, right? Yeah, Violet Bean. Um, and I don't know how much more we're going to get of her after this episode because she has recently signed on to a new television series. So um, as we have found out with some other characters who have moved on to other things, uh, you don't necessarily get them back once they move on to something else. So this might be one of the last times in a while we get to see Jesse Quick show up. Uh, on the flash mm-hmm. which would suck but you know hey you know what um I, i'm again we we get three speedsters next week that's not a bad thing yeah so. I, i'm fine with it i'm absolutely fine with it um all right moving on now to black lightning episode uh season one episode six three uh three sevens the book of thunder jefferson hunts down his father's killer anissa uses her new powers to right a wrong after a failed protest jennifer wrestles with difficult choices and gambin or um yeah 
well, Gambin. Gambi. Gambi. It's they say they have it listed as Gambin, which yeah. his real last name. Uh Gambi asks yep. Lynn for help. Mm-hmm. So um again, probably and this is the thing that we've I don't say we've been struggling with it. There's been things happening in these episodes, but we haven't had long conversations about these episodes because everything that happens in these episodes seems to be pretty straightforward. Uh, and I think this is going to be another week of that. I don't know how much we have to talk about this episode. Well, I think one of the things that was really just wonderfully done was they definitely took a slice of real life in this episode. Uh, we see that protest around kind of those Confederate soldiers, uh, the, the statues, um, you know, with seeing that organization that Anissa was part of, you know, painting the statue and then them getting arrested. Then you saw the follow up with the white nationalists and then hearing a situation about uh, somebody driving a car and killing somebody. Uh, This is taken directly from the real world. Yeah, These are things things that that have happened. But I like the fact that they brought them up here and they addressed them here. Uh, Wherever you stand on should real life really influence this. I think in a show like Black Lightning. Absolutely. Uh, because this is the show to do it because they're definitely there with a political message. They have been since episode one. Um, and even this, the way that Jefferson talks and wh- the way he discusses things with everybody, like they have that beautiful moment with him and Jennifer in the school in this episode, uh, which is what is black. And it's his line. He says, it's everything under the sun. And that was such a beautiful way to say this because they even discuss that in, you know, their culture that they're dealing with. That there's that constant fight. It's kind of like, you know, if you aren't part of their mix, you're an outsider. And they're like, you're no longer viewed as black in their, their you know, their their culture anymore. It's like, nope, you're just essentially a, a rich white kid now. And it's kind of trying to break down that barrier. And I think they're doing a beautiful job with the way it's written, the way that they're bringing up that message. Um, and I do understand for some people that could be very heavy handed. But I think the way that they're doing it is beautiful. Um, you know, I, I've had quite a few friends that have been watching the show and they're like, man, they just get it. They're doing this in such the right, beautiful way. And I really commend the show, the producers and the writers for taking the risk to really put this on front street and doing it well. So um, a big applause again, as always, as every week goes and passes, I give them so much credit for just doing such an amazing, beautiful job of continuing that message from start to finish every episode. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you, too. Like you said, you know, everything that pretty much happens in this episode is something that has already happened in our real life from the, you know, the car hitting a protester to the actual protests themselves. Um, you know, so it, it's basically a lot of the, the, the meat of this episode is a lot of real life situations that they've adapted into the show, except now they're throwing uh, not one but two superheroes into the mix now, as we saw this week. Um, this is something that we knew was going to happen at some point in time. Um, Thunder is coming into her own. I didn't know until this week that Thunder was bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't know that. And then all of a sudden that happened. So I'm... Um, it it seems like though she has to do something in order for it to happen. You saw her as she dis- discussed before earlier on when she's in that junkyard kicking stuff, and she's like, "It's all about my breathing." And you saw her take a big gasp of air any time that a bolt was about to hit her, or before she had uh, did something massive as far as you know breaking and shattering that statue at the at the protest near the end of the episode um before she punched and used her powers in full force we saw her playing with that idea so it makes me so i think that played out well yeah and it makes me wonder is is she indeed bulletproof or is the breath just helping her to deflect 
which I, I think, think it's helping her to deflect. That's what I think as well. So I think she's still mm-hmm. very vulnerable. Um, but I think that's going to change uh, over the course now because we have the big reveal that now Jefferson knows that Anissa is has these powers, has these abilities. And I think uh, Gamby's very much going to get involved and we're soon going to see that costume that we've seen in the promo shots. Yeah, I think next week, by the end of the episode, we're going to see that unveiled. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens much sooner. Uh, but it's a big wait and see. But I'm really happy, now that, that that gap is starting to close. Uh, it's something we've been waiting for to happen, to see this father and daughter hero dynamic play off of each other, where he has that worry of a father, but he also knows that his daughter has this in her to do this. And now you have that angle, and you even saw like the look on his face when he made this realization on how much that hurt and broke him that he you know he has to watch his daughter go through this as Lynn did as well. So well, this was a really interesting way. Well, so. it's a big struggle for Lynn too because you know at the same time Lynn has pretty much been the only one at that moment who knew who both of these people were. Jefferson had no idea that Thunder was Anissa. Anissa had no idea that Jefferson was her father and they're going at it in the middle of this hospital lab. You know, and Lynn being tied up and taped up is literally sitting there helpless watching these two people that she loves fight it out, not having any idea who the other one is. Um, yeah. I mean, and that to me is – that hits with me because, I mean, I've always said that – I've always counted myself as pretty fearless. But one of my biggest fears personally is that feeling of being helpless, of knowing that something is happening or something is about to happen and there is nothing that you can do about it. And that's exactly right. – what the situation that Lynn is in in that moment is that she can't mm-hmm. stop this from happening or even say anything. She shakes her head to Jefferson, no, but at this point, the, the, the gloves are off already at this point. Right, I mean, he's there to save her and sees this person because with what's going on in, the, in that show right now is with Greenlight. He's like, how does he not know this is just something, someone not hyped up on Greenlight that's trying to kill his, his ex-wife? So it it all worked. It was the timing of the situation, the way it played out. It was a beautifully planned and plotted sequence of how it all came together. You knew this was going to happen. You knew these characters were going to come to blows. And the way that it played out was perfect and flawless. And watching Jefferson have to deal with the ramifications of potentially of almost killing his daughter in these moments makes things very interesting. Not only that, though, something got dropped in this episode that we have not heard on this show yet. These people with powers being called metahumans. This is the very first time we have heard that word no, we haven't. on Black Lightning. No, we haven't. Uh, really? Really? I thought oh, this was the first one. No, so. this was – remember, I had mentioned this before, and this was something that I thought was going to make it tie into the Arrowverse is that we got um, – I think the mayor has mentioned it before. That's right. That's right. You you did mention – they well, they brought up the fact that they're, her- they're heroes in the other cities, but I don't know if we if, if, – Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if they did specify uh, I, I, metahuman. I think so. we've heard the word metahuman before. It didn't. It okay. didn't blow me away that it was the first time we heard. It. I think we have heard it before. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, like I said, a lot happens in this show. Even though it's hard to discuss, a lot happens every week in this show. Well, I mean, and there, uh, there's one other thing too that we we haven't brought up yet is that um, we find out, and it'll be very curious to see where they're going to go with it. It seems like there is some kind of connection between Jefferson's abilities and this drug because it looks like his brain scans 
from when he was injured and Lynn, um, you know, looked him over, his scans are showing similar activity to people that are to the people that are high on this drug. So right, I, I, and now I oh go ahead. No, I was just going to say. So I'm very curious to see what the connection between that is going to be. Right. So we now know a lot more. Like I said, between that, what happened with we found out about the agency which the agency just makes me think of Batman Telltale now yeah. uh, because of the way that they did Waller. But Gamby and Lady Eve having a heavy connection and a, an agreement and a deal uh, that the Pierce family was fully off limits because we found out, obviously, that Jefferson's father was looking into all this stuff with the chemicals, what happened. We know from Gamby when he met with Tobias Whale uh, in the previous episode uh, that there were multiple people that were tested upon and tested on, most likely Tobias being one of those people. And now with Jefferson most likely being one of those people as well. Um, so are they ex- finding a way to extract that or kind of take what happened to them and turn them into metas and now convert convert that into green light, which is most likely what is happening. And I think that's what's about to happen to Khalil um, with Tobias, that we got that little moment at the end of the episode because Tobias has been trying to turn Khalil against Black Lightning and kind of have somebody else as a meta to help take him down. So I think what's going to be interesting is before season's end, we're going to see Khalil with powers being able to walk again. And I think you're going to have to see Thunder knowing who Khalil is and Jefferson now having to take him down and what that could potentially do to Jennifer. So this is going to be a very interesting situation. I think kind of erupt, but I think the pieces are there. Um, and now it's the question of how it plays out and how quickly does that play out? Yeah. So um, very excited to see where this goes. But it was interesting, though, that this week we also saw one other piece. We saw that Jefferson was actually present for the death of his father uh, when we got that flashback this week, which was not something I thought we were going to see in the show uh, and see that moment play out the way that they've kind of been discussing it. So you now understand that angle of revenge a lot heavier on how that's going to play out. But it was interesting to see that both Gamby and Lynn were the people kind of talking him off that ledge from being a hero to a murderer. I think this was interesting because that plays really heavily into the philosophy of what they've been talking about in this show about trying to break down those racial barriers. Now it's also that barrier of what constitutes a hero and a villain. So I think all of this plays together in a really beautiful, picturesque kind of way on how they're framing it. Yeah, I think they're doing a really great job. Again, there's there's a lot of stuff that's still unanswered. There are a lot of questions that still need to be revealed. Uh, or a lot of things that still need to be revealed. Uh, and, you know, in particular, there's definitely, and I've said I've been saying this for the past couple of weeks. There's definitely more to Gamby than meets the eye. There's some kind of past to him that I'm very curious for them to explore. Um, but yeah, I think, like you said, the pieces are all there. It's just now a matter of they have to spend the rest of this time putting these pieces together and letting us see the big picture. Right. So uh, anything else before we move on to Arrow? Nope. Just another great episode of Black Lightning. And man, I, I'm just ready to see Anissa suited up. So. Yeah, uh, and looking forward to next week. Not a big, not a big synopsis. Black Lightning's pursuit of Tobias continues. Anissa continues to find herself in the new normal, which I'm assuming means she's gear, she's getting used to being, uh, getting used to using her abilities. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. Oh, now comes the fun part. Um, <laughs> all right, I, I need to take a deep breath here, and I got to try to take this as best as I can. Yeah. Uh, Arrow, season six, episode fourteen, titled "Collision Course." Oliver, Diggle, and Felicity disagree with Dinah, Curtis, and Renee on how to handle Black Siren. The two teams face off, and a fight ensues. Now, before we get into this, I have to yeah. preface this by saying. Uh, I did not watch this episode until yesterday, the day before we were recording. I always tend to – I try not to watch the episodes right away because we don't record until the weekend, and I want these to be as fresh in my mind as possible when we record. So while everybody else, while all you listeners are lis- watching them when they're on or like an hour or two later, I tend to save it and watch not till the end of the week. Now, that being said, I read a lot of social media opinions on this episode. Everybody from uh, our listener, Paul, who's now part of the Next Level Network, recorded a a hour-long rant about this episode on his Bats, Bows, and Books podcast. Uh, Anne, who we have constantly said is a huge supporter of this show, um, and as well as a number of other people I know from going to the cons and things like that, across the board hated this episode and every week writes uh, a big synopsis as to her thoughts on the episode i had to stay away from all of it until i got the opportunity to watch this episode i still haven't read their opinions because i literally watched the episode this morning before we started recording so i haven't had time because i knew how much they hated it but i wanted to keep an open mind and form my own opinion on it and I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I have not read anything about this week. I watched this last night at about two in the morning. So it is very fresh in my head. Um, I was very awake because um, every time I was like, maybe I'll just go to sleep and just finish it tomorrow. And as every time I had that thought in my head, I'm like, something happened that made me angrier and just made me more and more awake. <laughs> um, man. I don't even know the best way. Maybe let's just talk about the plot of the episode first. No, I got but without I, giving our opinions I, and and I, I have and to then get into yeah. But I ha- I have to say we I haven't done the ratings of I haven't done the IMDb and the IGN ratings at all this week, and I, I did okay. it for a reason because our ratings across the board were pretty similar to what all the other what IGN and IMDb said, except when it came to Arrow. You, I, and everybody else hated this episode. We gave it a sidekick. IMDb gave this a 7.8 out of 10. Mm. IGN gave it like a 6.5 out of 10, which is still a high hero. And IGN usually is very decisive on these episodes. So these two entities apparently are seeing something about this episode that you, I, and nobody else saw. (laughs) (laughs) so that has to be said as well but you're right so premise of the episode obviously is we're seeing that from where we left off before um we're we're seeing that quentin has laurel in his i was gonna say possession but it's not possession uh he has her under his care uh we know that the 70 million dollars that was extorted from starling city has now been um 
uh, has not been recovered, and it's now a matter of getting to recover this money. Otherwise, the city will pretty much shut down because it will not have a budget, uh, which pretty much will mean, one, no hospitals, no emergency services, no schools, and potentially Oliver no longer is mayor because everybody will hate him for this. That's pretty much the premise of the the plot of the the out what's going on outside of Team Arrow and outside of New Team Arrow, or the Outsiders rather, we'll call them the Outsiders. Going into the plot of those two, this is pretty much Arrow's version of Marvel Civil War. This is yeah. the other, this is the other relation that I, the other comparison to Marvel that I was saving for the end. This is Marvel's Civil War, except told in 45 minutes, 42 minutes of an Arrow episode. It's two teams against each other over a difference of opinion, particularly one person who's causing it, that being Quentin holding Laurel. And by the end of it, it comes down to a team member on one of the teams being injured that causes a stop. Right. That is Civil War. That is Marvel. Yeah, that is Captain America: Civil War. Right. It is it is the person that's the the cause, and then the two catalysts being Dinah and Oliver, um, and just how their their angles of everything. And you know what? Like I said, they've done a couple episodes where they have actually there was only I think a set this season where the titles were I think it was. Um, it was divided, which was, and then the episode after that called "We Fall." We fall. Yeah. This episode was titled "Collision Course." If I could have renamed this episode <laughs> and then renamed next week, this week would have been "Taking My Toys," and next week would be called "And Going Home." <laughs> going home. This was ridiculous. There was nothing about this episode that worked. It, it just didn't work. They didn't. I, 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 I'm just angry. I. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I make I make the comparison to Marvel to Captain America Civil War, but there's a huge difference in Captain America Civil War. You had Team Cap and Team Tony, um, you know, Team Captain America, Team Iron Man. Most people had a team that they sided with. I didn't pick a side in this because they were both idiots. Uh, I couldn't side with either team in this because one, for starters, I ended up hating Dinah. By the end of this episode. Oh, my God. And that was the biggest problem about this is uh, we even said it, it was and this is something I've gone on and on and on and on from the start of this series that they do not know what to do with Black Canary. And if they wanted me to like Dinah, man, they undid any small pieces of goodwill between last week and then culminated absolutely in this week. She was a despicable character. I hated everything about her. And I don't think I could ever like her as a character after this episode. I don't think there's uh, a coming it, back from this. There isn't. And, and there, it ended on one very specific moment of Quentin standing between him and Laurel from Earth 2 and her just cracking him over the head. And I was like, and, and they tried to resolve that at the end of this episode with Renee in the hospital. And it's just Curtis is kind of like, thank you so much for talking me down. I was about to do something horrible. Everybody was trying to talk you down from the start of last week all throughout this week to the point where you almost killed a unarmed man that's not a hero. He is yeah. he works for the mayor and is somebody that has been a hard, heavy relationship to these characters from the start. Was not somebody that really, truly betrayed you 
any of these moments and just completely just clubbed him to the point where he had this giant hematoma on his head. It looked in horrible shape and all of these moments. And it just you're trying to say that Curtis is like, well, thank you so much for talking me away from this. I was about to do something horrible. We know we absolutely get it. It's just. Oh, God, that moment just infuriated me so much. No, And you're absolutely right. I mean, she's facing up against and 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 hitting a like it's one thing when you're going up against Oliver because Oliver is the green arrow. He's trained. He knows how to defend himself. But when you are standing face to face with one, a man who is unarmed and untrained, as you had mentioned, but two is on his knees like he is vulnerable and you just take it upon yourself to hit him. There is no coming back from that. There's no saving this hit. character at this point. No, it wasn't even one hit. No, she did it to him twice. And it was a vicious, brutal looking hit. There's no way whatsoever. I think at this point in time in this show that Dinah is a redeemable character at all. No. And I know a lot of people are like Laurel from Earth 2 is irredeemable. She's more irredeemable right now than Dinah. Is. Yeah. And I'm at the point where if you're going to give us the 4,000th canary on the show, fine, just do it. I don't want Dinah in that role at all. Anymore. I would she prefer needs to be gone. I want her out of this show. I want her to write her out and just be gone. This was just it took a character that so many people loved and they said, hey, look, we haven't been able to get this character right. We're going to finally try to do it this season. And again, they just absolutely disgraced the idea of Black Canary as a character in the Arrowverse. Absolutely at this moment. Now, I, I want to preface this, too. I want to say that as much as we're ranting and raving about this, this is nothing absolutely nothing to do with Juliana Harkavy. This is the no. writers. This was horribly written. You have done, the writers have done something to this character as we, and we've used the word multiple times and I'll say it again, is irreversible. There's no coming back from this. I would much rather now, as much as I have been against it, I would much rather now see a redemption angle of Laurel and Laurel step back into the Black Canary position. Over what we've gotten from this episode, I would much rather see that. But in addition to that, though, too, it's not just Dinah in this episode. No. It's Quentin, too. They they took a character that was – we saw fight through some of the worst situations. Absolutely, that has been dealt to any character in the show. And they twisted him in such a poor manner and a poor way that – now you're looking at Quentin and he's like, look, he's like, he's just a mentally broken character at this point. And I just don't think they, they can do anything else with him. How do they get him to kind of pull back from this? I mean, it was a little ridiculous last last episode after, you know, Laurel from Earth 2 was shot that he's like kind of like, you know, it was like reverse Stockholm syndrome. I don't know what was going on there. And it's and then watching that continue to play out was just odd. Uh, there's an old movie from uh, I, I, feels weird to say old movie from the 90s uh, starring Christopher Walken called Suicide Kings. I don't know if people out there have ever seen it. I've this. seen it. It is, it is a moment where it, there is a whole movie with a premise of a mob boss tied to a chair that is controlling the entire situation, which is what it felt like they were trying to do here uh, with Laurel being kind of in the recovery, kind of manipulating the scene, but she wasn't manipulating it. She was in a crap situation. She knew it, and all she wanted to do was get away to live another day. That was it. That was all that it was, but it felt like they were attempting to pull something like that, and it just didn't work. Nothing about it worked. It caused these characters to be twisted in ways that damaged those characters irreversibly uh, to the point where I just don't know how Arrow comes back from a moment like this. The outsider characters now are 
just that. They are truly outsiders. You don't really want to see them find a way to reconcile at this point because it's just going to turn back into, I don't trust you, I don't trust you. And that's it feels like that's all this season is going to give us now from here on out. This episode should have been all about Diaz and what Diaz did and the big twist from last episode, from episode 13. It was so important for them to come in on an episode that you and me both gave legends to and said, this was an awesome episode. This was the twist we were waiting for. This can change everything for the remainder of this season. And they came back with this. They came back with one of, the, I think, the absolute worst written episodes this show has ever done. I think the only thing that could have made this episode worse is if they added Cupid in this. Oh, God. I don't know how they fixed this. I really, really don't. And not even that. The actors in the show are phenomenal actors. There have been so many. But even every line spoken in this felt so horribly forced. None of the dialogue flowed. None of it worked. Even the fight sequences, this nothing felt like anybody wanted to be there for these filming days. And I don't know if you got that appearance from this or the way this played out. Nothing about this episode felt right whatsoever. No, the whole episode felt completely unnatural. Um, but I will say this. I, I want to go back to one of my previous comments because I, I have an amendment um, where I said, like, this is Marvel Civil War and, you know, Except you couldn't pick a team, whether it's Team Arrow or Team OTA or Team Outsiders. Um, I changed my answer. I did side with the team. Team Thea. Because she seemed yeah. throughout this entire episode to be the only person with an intelligent level head on her shoulders. She comes across, she follows Quentin because she knows something's up with Quentin. Everybody else is completely oblivious to this, even though he's acting completely odd. Thea notices it and says it follows her. Finds out what it is. Quentin pleads with her to say, no, you can't tell anybody. But what does she do? She tells Oliver. Yes, you need to tell somebody about this. Like, this is... This is the woman that everybody's searching for that's causing the friction between your two teams and is holding this city hostage right now. Yes, absolutely you need to tell somebody about this. Thea in this episode was the only person who had a level head. I was yeah. team Thea throughout this. Like even at one point when like they were all when Oliver and everybody else came to the cabin where Laura was, there's one point where I think like Oliver's agreeing to the terms and Thea's in the background like this is ridiculous. Yeah. Because she's absolutely right. So I <sighs> oh, oh God, it was so bad. I mean, I you know what? The only positive I can take from this is next week, Roy comes back. There's the doppelganger thing that's gonna be going on, and Thea's suited back up. And if we get to follow Thea a little bit right now to kind of as a palate cleanser, I think we need it more than ever right now. Um because it's gonna take me a while to not be angry at the show. I, I really don't know what to do. And, man, I, I, <laughs> I'm right there I, with I you. Every, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I'm just at a loss for words. I, I, I think from the moment that you saw them, like, how do we track them and find out where they are? And even somebody like Curtis, who is kind of one of the good guys in all of this and is usually not a person that does something horrendous, does something that could have severely injured John, and he actively knew it and did it anyway. And everybody on the Outsiders team knew it, and they all went along with it. And they've been like, look, you guys are doing things wrong in the worst way possible. We need to save the city, and but we don't trust your leadership. Fine, that's okay. Let them be the Outsiders. And there's conflicting teams, and we understand it. But the way that things just played out, it made 
the outsiders completely unlikable characters. It really absolutely destroyed any goodwill toward not to Steina, but especially Curtis. Renee is the only one that you could see is a potentially redeemable character because of what happened to him. Yeah, but there were even um, there was even a moment in this episode with Renee that I was just like, really? I'm like, that's you you saw all the struggle. Like looking at Renee, you went through all of that shit with your own daughter getting her back and, and learning how to deal with that. And then you're going to go and insult Oliver and throw William into this? Like, would you want your yeah. daughter brought into this? Like, right. you are completely was, childish. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what this is. Like I said, it's taking your toys and going home. That's exactly what this episode was. The only other title I could give it is Ham-Fisted. It was just not, oh, God. <laughs> I'm um, right there with you. Trust I, me. I, I can understand why. You know, Paul, if he did, I need to listen to what he had to say and read what the, you know, the Arrow group did uh, and discussed and get their viewpoints and go on Reddit and see what people were thinking about this. Because I generally have no idea. I've stayed, I haven't read a single IGN review or an IMD rating or anything of any show this week. And now I feel like I need to because I need to see where people's heads are at because I don't know if I'm now just this angry, bitter person with the show. And I really don't want to be because I feel like it's my it's part of my job doing the show to try to rate these as as much of a level head as humanly possible from a fan for DC characters, from a fan of the Arrowverse, the things that they've done, the things that they have built. And I know that I have been one of these people that has been incredibly hard on Arrow. And I'm still of the viewpoint that there are three really good seasons and two seasons that are not good TV. And I'm really getting concerned that this is now going to by the end of the season, we have a show that's three and three. I do remember seeing a headline of an article on IGN earlier in the week that I've avoided reading, but the headline was, it's time for Arrow to become something else. And that was the t title of it, and I was like, you know what, I have a feeling I know what they're, they're about to talk about. And this show needs an evolution. It really does, and it was supposed to be this season. And I'm really starting to get concerned and wonder now the fate of this show post-season six. Right now, we have zero confirmation across the board from CW on any shows for all of CW on what has been renewed. None of the shows have been officially been publicly announced as renewed shows. They need to do something massive. And I'm wondering if we're going to lose a DC show next year before things start. So the big question is. What can they do now to close out season six in a big, bombastic, awesome way and really bring this home? Because say, for example, if Arrow was canceled, I don't want it to go out on a season like this right now. No. And that's kind of terrifying. I don't want Arrow to be the show that started something amazing and big to end on a, a basically a season that I would say is three and three. Or a series that is three and three. But here's the thing, though. Uh, I mean, as far as what can they do to save the season, um, at this point in time, I really don't know if they can do anything. Only because at this point in time, I mean, we're already on episode 14 having aired filming-wise. There may be only five or six ahead of this, and the rest of the story is written. I, I think if the stories, if the season is going to continue going down this path, the the future is set for this show. As far as where yeah. it's going to end. I, I mean, if this would be something different if this was like episode six or seven where, you know, you can you can make changes to the writing. You could change the season. You had time to do it. But this far in, we're already more than halfway through this season with a majority of what's left already filmed. There's nothing you can do at this point. 
you know what? I will say this, and I, I'm going to look at also – now, I said my piece, but let's flip this a little bit, and let's look at this from a comic book angle now. Uh, as a show, we're angry. I will say this. This could be actually at the same time, though, interesting on how this will play out for one good key reason. Uh, if you've ever watched a soap opera, if you've ever watched a movie, read a comic book, and comics specifically, where a character has done something that's just impossible for a character to come back from. And it's happened in the comics thousand and one times, especially in DC. One of the biggest key books that I've talked about and we've talked about in the past in the show is a book called Identity Crisis. And what leads into Identity Crisis was the entirety of the Justice League turning on Batman and doing something that really damaged who those characters were as characters. Because Batman found out something they did not want him to know and they wiped his mind. So he didn't have that. And they basically went against this. And this all culminated into this massive thing later, which became identity uh, after identity crisis. And what came to be after that was infinite crisis. Those little things that happened, like the OMAC project and Brother Eye, which we've now seen in things like Injustice and have been mentioned in, you know, video game, uh, other video games and TV shows and cartoons and more comics. They could do something very interesting here because the thing is, when a character does something and makes you angry, that also sometimes means maybe the writers are doing exactly what they plan to do. They wanted you to be angry at what happened. So I will give them still a slight benefit of the doubt that this was plotted and planned and they wanted you to hate these people by this point in time. This could definitely be a part of this. So I do understand this could be very much deliberate. They wanted us to walk away from episode 14 pissed. Um, but the question is, does making an audience angry potentially damage your brand and what's to come? So that's the big question I think that we're kind of left with reviewing this episode. You and me are both very angry with what they've <laughs> done with characters. Yeah. And it makes me say, you know what? When episode 15 airs this coming week when am I going to watch it? Am I going to watch it that night or am I going to wait to the last minute because maybe I don't want to watch the show. Um, but I know we are going to watch the show. We are going to review it next week for episode 99. That is absolutely doppelganger will be in that episode. There's no question about it. Am I excited to watch it at this point? My personal uh, opinion and viewpoint is no, I am angry and I feel like mentally my brain needs a break from arrow, but we're in a position where that is not a, uh, that is something we can do. Now let's um, let let's say that you're correct, and this is all planned by the writers and, and such. It's one thing to do that in a comic book. I mean, because you're going to continue to publish the comic book either way. Um, but when it comes to doing this with a television series, you take a big gamble doing that. You absolutely. You're not only you putting do. the jeopardy of the show. You're not even. You're not just putting the cast of the show in jeopardy and the crew that works on the show in jeopardy. You're. You're put. I mean, you're not just putting the show in jeopardy. You're putting the cast and the crew and everybody tied to the show in jeopardy by taking a an, an a purposeful stance of writing an episode that's going to piss off the viewers. You are taking a big risk of the viewers not coming back. And it's one thing for us because, as you mentioned, we're going to watch the show anyway because we do it for the podcast. As angry as we are and as much as we don't want to, we'll still continue to watch. Viewers aren't like that. There are already viewers out there who have already called it quits on this show. 
and they haven't even gotten to season six. There are a number of people who have dropped out in season three and four, and I've told them, no, no, you need to go back for season five um, because we're in complete agreement how amazing season five was. But so you've already lost viewers, and now if this is the case and this is what the writers are doing, you are taking a big risk, especially this far into the season because this is the point when shows get canceled. Whether they're good or bad, you are now into – you take a look at Arrow. You had a five-year story that you have now told. You're into uncharted territory. Production – like higher-ups at production companies look at stuff like that. Like if we really want to – if, if we want to drop one of these shows, eh, Arrow's told its story. You know, and the ratings are, aren't doing that good. So, yeah, absolutely. We could, we could cancel this without feeling any guilt or anything about it. So this is not a time for the writers to do this, if that's the case. It is not a time right. at all. You do not take risks like this. You take the high of season five and you ride it as long as you can. Absolutely. And it's kind of like I said, you know, I bring up a, a, a show that I actually really love, but it's it, it told its story, which is Supernatural. Supernatural is season 13. Um, we recently started Supernatural from episode one, season one, and we finished at season the end of season five because that was the story. It was the cohesive story that took place over five seasons and ended. And we're like, you know what? It is one of the most beautiful endings. It just happens that there's another seven yeah, seasons. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or sorry, another eight seasons. I, I take that back. And while that still has stories to tell that are single season stories, that first five seasons together told this wonderful plotted story from start to finish and it just kept going because people love those characters um and this is going because people love these characters but when you damage characters that as we put it may now be irredeemable characters and maybe entry point people like for example like my wife loves black canary's character she always has that was one of the things that brought her to want to watch arrow she refuses to watch the show because the way that they've treated her character. If you have some other female viewers that maybe are like, that was their entry point. That is damning. Even if there's multiple characters who say, hey, look, I love every one of these versions of Black Canary for all different reasons. It's really cool. But they could get to these moments where, like, I'm tired of seeing them put these characters through the ringer like this and make them these kind of bastardizations of these characters. And we don't want to see them anymore. That's problematic. It's very, very problematic. And it bothers me so much that they continue to use that character as the character that becomes this just massive headache for the show. Um, and it's to the point where I'm like, just you know what? I think it's time to move on. And I just don't know how they come back from where this episode fell. I really Can don't. Can we go back to all the outsiders? Yeah, I'm actually, you know what? Do it up because you know what? After the wedding, I, I stopped caring. I, I did. I was like, you know what? Cool. This is this is where they're going with this. Let it be. Let it happen. I'm actually all for it now. Just let them do it. You know, we we set our piece so many times on this show about that, and you know what? They finally said, okay, we need to stop doing this, and they did. And I'm like, cool. Let them just have the relationship. They want to do it, and that's perfectly fine. I'm perfectly cool with it. Let it happen. And now they're like, how do we add it? just an obscene amount of drama to it? And they're like, let's split the team. And just it's now buttheads, buttheads, buttheads. And they came to this culmination where I'm like, they even said at the end when we saw John and Felicity go just to see if Renee was fine. And it was that we're not friends anymore. And it was essentially like sticking their tongue out at them and they're like, walk away. 
And I'm like, you know what? Fine. Well, you know what? Can we just walk away? Just put, let the show have a break for a couple of weeks. Let the audience just breathe. Put Supergirl back in the slot. Like, <laughs> give me two weeks of Supergirl. Give me a palate cleanser and just then say, okay, look, guys, we understand we made a mistake. We had to go back and reshoot an episode or two. We fixed the problem. Sorry. Well, I mean, you know, it's, I think next week we are going to get a little bit of that palate cleanser. We're going to see more of it fall on, you know, Thea and Roy. Um, I, I don't know what we're going to get out of it, but I mean, you know, it looks like we're going to see Anatoly return next week um, and the rest of the team as well as Roy. So I, I don't know. I really don't. I, 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 I'm, I'm so frustrated. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's the best way to put it. Like I am physically, I think my face is probably just red. Like, as I'm trying to be composed <laughs> as much as I can, and it's so hard not to just lose my cool completely. Um, but, man, I, I just I don't know what to say. I really don't. That was a train wreck and a half, an absolute train wreck. And now I just feel like I just there's I, I'm like, you know what? I just don't know who I'm rooting for anymore. I really don't No, because they, they uh, don't. Thea, uh, it's, yeah. Let's, let's just call the show speedy at this point. Yep. I think it's time to just let's it changing of the guard uh, and just. Man. <laughs> again, I mean, and again, I have to preface this. This is nothing against the actors. It is absolutely. No, I love every one of yes. them. Yes. Every one of them. I mean, it's, and again, I, I, I'm, I'm going to pick up more names that I've dropped. But, I mean, I've met a majority of these people. I've shared the stage with a majority of these people. They are wonderful people. Like Stephen Amell, David Ramsey, Willa Holland, Emily, Echo, Rick, Juliana, Katie, Paul. Like, I've met all of them they're wonderful people your writers are horrible right now that's pretty much what it is and it's just Ugh. it's it's that inner turmoil because you know again meeting these people i i want this show to succeed i want this show to be good i want the show to get back to what it was in seasons one and two and five and it's not there it's not there i I just, honestly, I just want the show to go back to becoming the keystone of what started all of this. That's really just all I want. And they know I know they can do it because they've proved it so many times. And they've given us great episodes this season as well. We even said, you know what? We have full faith in them because of what they gave us last year. And now I'm like, was that dumb of us to say? <laughs> I think, And you know what I think um, really hurts the most, too, is the fact that we were left on such a high of being back to episodes being good. And then we took that two-week break, and we were left on that high that when an episode hits this hard, our fall is so much further. It's, and that's the truth of it. It's, there's nothing bad about us saying this because i think we're just trying to look at this as cleanly as humanly possible as is and the reason that we are so hard is because we our job is to look at this critically and i would be lying to you all if i think what they did here was a positive thing i would absolutely be lying to you and i couldn't do that critically thinking about this episode no no i'm, I'm right there with you but i think i think we've talked enough <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, looking so, as we mentioned a couple times already, looking forward to next week episode Doppelganger. Roy Harper returns to Star City and Oliver and Thea take action to save him when they discover the real reason he has come back. Um, let's hope, man. Let's hope this is, as we mentioned, a little bit of a palate cleanser and we can kind of, God, get back into 
the episodes being decent at least um i think we we need at this point is we need a couple episodes without dinah I, yeah, um, I think maybe the best thing right now, let the outsiders take a break for a couple of weeks. I think we might see that too, um, only because of the fact of Renee being in the hospital. Um, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that's the case. I hope we're going to get a week or two without the outsiders. Me too. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Uh, we've talked about the shows. We've ranted and Ugh. ranted. I was going to say ranted and raved. Couldn't do that about Arrow. Uh, ranted and ranted about Arrow. Let's talk about a little bit of the news from DC this week. All right. Let's get into the big one right off the bat because I think this is the most interesting story hands down this week without question. So uh, a couple days ago, there was a news story discussing the AT&T Time Warner merger. And apparently things got a little bit rocky. U.S. government is seemingly trying to block that merger from happening, which... There's good reason why this definitely could create a very large monopoly as far as just, you know, the way that things are handled between how much property that you own, the fact that you're a telecom company and you could now push all of your product a little bit more. It, it causes a lot of situations. So everybody is fully understands why the government is trying to block this merger. Now, if that does indeed happen, there's some discussion that Time Warner may indeed break up some of its assets to be sold off individually. Because, again, Time Warner has become just a massive, massive entity owning, you know, Warner Brothers Pictures, you know, the things like the CW, DC Entertainment, so on and so forth. The list just goes on and on and on. So the question is, if this does indeed get blocked, where the future of DC Entertainment is going to fall? Now, you and me were speculating what happens if DC films or the DC TV shows and the association of those products, what happens to that if that gets sold off? And the first place that you and me both <laughs> immediately thought of was the mouse, the mouse. What if this becomes part of the house of mouse? And while that could become a very interesting, uh, I think that now creates a very another situation. monopoly, another massive monopoly. It's not far off to say right now that Disney is becoming very, very massive. Now, they're already in the process right now, potentially picking up Fox. There was another news story that happened this week. Now, Sky, which is the big satellite company over in Europe, now is also now putting a bid in to buy Fox Entertainment because Fox Entertainment, I believe, owns like something like 39% of Sky. So now Sky is putting a counter bid in to potentially keep things from happening with Disney, but still Disney needs to move forward and is probably going to run into a very similar situation. So things are just in weird, weird, weird places. Now, AT&T is saying that they're, op they're very you know, open to finding some reasonable solutions to address the government's concern. And they do think that this is going to get litigated in court and they're very confident that they're going to complete the merger. So the real big question is how this is all going to play out. Um, I believe they said the, uh, the proceedings are going to start on March 19th at trial for where this is going to fall. So I think things are going to remain very, very, very interesting for what's going to happen with AT&T and Time Warner. But I, I think we're going to have to really keep our eyes on this because so much can change very quickly if ownership changes or if things split. Um, is AT&T going to want to dump as much money into the films universe? Is it still going to operate as planned on and so forth? As we're seeing with Fox right now with the Disney merger, we're still seeing that there's plans for, I think, something along the lines of three X-Men universe or Marvel franchises that they own 
will continue year to year. And I think that's primarily they're talking about more along the lines of X-Men. So whether that be now Deadpool, we have the new Mutants film, which is going back to uh, reshoots at this point in time. And then uh, there's also the other X-Men film, which is the Phoenix uh, Saga movie I think they're planning on doing. So I think it's already I think they're already filming. That. Yeah, I think I think they already are. So they're still moving ahead, business as usual. I think we're going to see the same exact things happen in the Warner Brothers side of things. There's not going to be any changes. It's just a question of what happens with AT&T and Time Warner when trial starts March 19th, which is just a couple weeks away. So I think we'll be uh, keeping a really close track on all of this as things kind of progress. All right. So let's jump into the film side of things. And that being Shazam. Um, so a set photo did indeed leak this past week that we did post up on the uh, Facebook page, which is DC. Uh, yeah, sorry. Facebook.com slash DC primetime of a side shot of Zachary Levi in the full Shazam suit. Um, and man, I know a lot of people were really kind of angry about what it looked like. And I'm like, how can you be angry? It looks so spot on and so pinpoint accurate. And I don't think that's, the final version of what we see of the suit we're going to see touch-ups done probably on you know via effects work the whole nine just give it time if you're angry or upset i I just don't know how you can be because man it looks so comic book accurate yeah i think think it already looks great and what's kind of cool too is apparently the the city that they're quote-unquote filming or where it takes place is philadelphia it's not where they're actually shooting but i have a feeling there'll be pickup shots later and why not and it's kind of near and dear to our hearts (laughs) Uh, and I do love, too, that it, we did see Zachary Levi say, hey, guess who else is appearing in this film? And there was pictures of toys of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And I have a feeling it's because they're all merchandise on toy, toy shelves because this is set to take place during Christmas time. I love the idea that these characters are now become these merchandise things that people are buying up because of what happened with uh, Justice League. I think this is a really cool way to do this. So, Well, I, I think there's a rumor that Henry Cavill is actually going to be in the film right we did talk about that last week and there is a big speculation that he is going to have a cameo and i think if you're going to have anybody cameo it's got to be superman the the big blue boy scout and shazam are just the right fits next to each other and i think that's the way to do it so all right let's head over to wonder woman 2 and the big story for the week for wonder woman 2 being uh uh, being the fact that it sounds like Cheetah is pretty much all but confirmed to appear in this film. We talked the other week about Cersei probably being the big bad, um, and I still believe that is indeed going to happen. Uh, I think we're going to see Cersei be the reason why Cheetah becomes who she is. The interesting part is now it sounds like we have an actress tied to the role of that character, which is a very interesting choice, but I also think it's a really awesome choice. I'm all for this. Uh, it yep. sounds like initially that Warner Brothers and DC, uh, the DCEU was gunning after Emma Stone to play this role. Uh, now, apparently, it's from the rumblings out there, and I believe this came from Variety. She did turn down the offer. Uh, but Patty Jenkins actually had somebody else in mind initially, and they did go after and start discussions. And that is none other than the actress that appeared in Paul, Bridesmaids, and Ghostbusters, that being Kristen Wiig. And, and man, apparently, this could be yeah, awesome. apparently, apparently Kristen Wiig has expressed a lot of interest in this before this article even aired, or before this article even come about, too. That when the, there was rumor that Cheetah was going to be appearing in the film... Um, Kristen Wiig actually was the one that started the initial interest. So if this is something that happens, you're going to have an actress that Patty Jenkins would love to have in the role, and you're going to have an actress that's legitimately interested in playing this part. Right, Um, and and so it's it's just awesome to think that, like, Barbara Ann Minerva, you know, that this person that becomes Cheetah is going to be realized, and I think this is such the right 
call for a villain in Wonder Woman 2. Well, Especially I mean, well, because they keep... Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, and you mentioned a lot of movies that Kristen Wiig has been in. Um, but one key movie that you did not mention, and this is, I think, the one that really puts a lot of support behind her playing this part, is The Martian. Kristen Wiig has shown she's got chops across the board, not just in comedy, but she can do the dramatic, and, and this would be a, her first stint into the action, but she has proven she can do stuff outside of comedy. Um, I mean, and honestly, too, Ghostbusters had its fair share of action, and she held that film that's together. True. And I know a lot of people still disregard that movie, and I still think it was exceptionally done. I, I was, still watch it. I think I kind of liked it. I, I really enjoyed it. I don't think it's the best movie of all time, but it was really fun. And you know what? She is such a fun actress, and I really enjoy her performances. And you see her chops on SNL. She has done. She had a stint from 2005 to 2012 where she has played countless characters. And I will say this. There are the two hardest performances you can ever give for an actor, and you can see it is comedy and horror. And if you can do comedy, you can do anything. Yep. We've seen some of the best performances from actors that came from comedic performances or comedic backgrounds first because it's so much harder to make a person laugh than it is to give a dramatic performance. Dude, look at Keaton. Mm-hmm. Keaton started in 80s comedies before he was cast as Batman. And he, yeah. and, and he's still arguably to this day uh, one of my favorite Batman. Yes, so, and honestly, I, just an amazing dramatic actor too. Just in yeah. in general, between if he's playing a villain, if he's just look at look at Birdman. You know, I mean, you, this yeah. is proof positive that these people can do anything, absolutely anything. So, yeah, I'm totally on board for against, Kristen Wiig against the idea of Kristen Wiig. Give it time. Let yeah, let's see what happens. Let's see if she's cast. But I think this is awesome, wonderful I, casting. I am totally on board. All right, let's jump into something a little bit different. So WonderCon just happened this past week, and we did find out something a lot of us have been wondering and waiting on, and that is Matt Ryan's next portrayal of Constantine, and that's not on Legends of Tomorrow. So we have known for some time that there was going to be a CWC Constantine animated series with Matt Ryan continuing the voice work for that character. We now know when that's coming out. Um, On March 24th, um, it sounds like they are going to fully discuss what is going. I'm sorry, WonderCon hasn't happened yet. It's coming up March 24th. They said North 200A is the room. There is going to be a full breakdown and discussion of that, and they said they will indeed discuss the first season, which begins streaming that same day, March 24th, at CWC.com. Uh, there is going to be a panel discussing that. They're going to show it off, and everybody can watch immediately after. So really kind of awesome. I'm really looking forward to watching this animated series, uh, especially with Matt Ryan in that role still. So, Yeah, because um, I think when you had mentioned WonderCon, I, I, I was kind of confused because I, I think it's also rumored we might be getting an Aquaman trailer at, at WonderCon as well. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, we discussed that last week as well. So we have WonderCon is going to probably be pretty big for the DC and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they have to say. But uh, they said that straight up just the other day, that world premiere screening will indeed happen March 21st. And then the full first season begins streaming March 21st as well on CWC. So if you can't make it, at least you can still watch it the same day. So really fantastic. All right. Um, talking about some animated stuff. Uh, somebody near and dear to our hearts, Mr. Mark Hamill. Um, actually threw his hat into the ring for something that we discussed uh, actually about a month or two ago when the voice actors from Justice League and Justice League Unlimited said it is absolutely time 
for Justice League Unlimited reunion movie. And Mark says 100% he is fully on board and it's time to bring the Joker back if they indeed do this because this is some of his favorite people that he has worked with and I would love to see it. Even though Mark has said multiple times, maybe it's time to stop doing the Joker. But he always said, you know what? Look, I think I've changed my mind on this. If the project is perfect, I will absolutely do it. So Now, I don't know if this was something – I don't think we reported on this last week. But um, uh, on the topic of Mark Hamill, apparently there is rumor and speculation that he could potentially be throwing his hat in the ring to join the Marvel Universe as well. Yeah, he um, wants a role in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ep- Volume 3. And so. James Gunn is willing to give it to him, mm-hmm. which I think is fantastic. Yep, he says he just wants a quick appearance, a cameo, whatever. He just wants to wants to join in the fun. So. Yep. All right, so let's head over a little bit more back into the TV side of things. The Flash to, uh, seeks to add its final, well, add three more metas for this season. Uh, right now, this is just what we know. Um, this is the casting, what they're stating. So it's a female, mid-20s, African-American, an accomplished jewel thief who has escaped capture for a long time and has the uh, ability to manipulate gravity very sassy but dangerous character that will be a reoccurring guest star. Um, so the uh, uh, the title names that they have, the roles are it's Null, the Crucifier, and then Edwin. Uh, so that first one was Null. The next one for Crucifier, the leader of the Tenth Circle. Crucifier is a, sa- a sacred brute who fights Breacher, Danny Trejo. The character has no lines. So it sounds like Danny is coming back sometime still before oh, the season's end. On that note... Um... By the way, we didn't bring this up, and I don't know why we didn't. Um, it, this just let when you mentioned Danny Trejo, it kind of led me down. It led me down a, a train of thought um, because that Danny Trejo episode, it th- I believe, if I'm right, is the next uh, Kevin Smith directed episode. Um, and you and I personally have to send a huge, uh, heartwarming um, message to Kevin. Uh, in regards to his recovery, because for those of you that don't know, Kevin suffered a massive heart attack early this week. Um, uh, thankfully, uh, all taken care of. Recovered. Uh, yep. And he's already home. Already back at home. He's yep. already home. Um, I think he was only in the hospital for just a couple days. Um, his LED was 100% blocked, which is, as they refer to as the Widowmaker. That's usually if you have a heart attack, that meant um, it usually results in death. Oh, his doctor, his, his doctor told him, and I, I, you know what? I'm really, I'm kicking myself in the ass right now because when this happened, I wanted to start the podcast with this. And when we booked our first guest for the hundredth, I kind of, it kind of got overshadowed and I completely forgot about it. Um, so it sucks that we're doing it this late in the podcast, but yeah, we're, we're so glad to hear that Kevin's doing well. I know we, we did a little bit of a Twitter campaign to try and get Kevin on for the hundredth, but obviously not going to happen because he's home recovering. And that's what we want for him more than anything right now is to just get better um, and, and recover from all of this. So I don't Absolutely. know if he'll, if he'll ever hear this podcast, but just in case he does, Kevin, you are obviously a very big inspiration to both of us, not just for Absolutely. filming, but podcasting and everything. And we wish you all the best and we hope you get better. So Absolutely. sorry, wanted to break away and, and mention that before oh, we forgot. Not a problem. Well, that ties nicely, though, to, to say that that Tra- Danny Trejo episode, that's most likely that Kevin Smith uh, directed. I don't know if that will change or if he has already uh, it, it's already done. gone through. It's yeah. already done. OK. Yeah, he uh, posted the- pictures on Instagram with him and Danny, which makes me think that that was the one he directed. Okay, and then the last one here is a character that they, like I said, as I mentioned, Edwin, a male, 30s, open ethnicity, a hippie type. Edwin had his life upended when he develops a power that makes him very hard to track. 
So uh, very curious to see where this all fl- uh, flows and if any of these characters are part of the final three. So uh, we know the melting pot is one of these characters. So my guess is Null and whoever this Edwin character is are the other two bus metas where the crucifiers is somebody coming into the mix with Breacher for a, a Cisco episode. So. All right, Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, Matt Ryan's discussions in this week's news are not done, uh, which is amazing because <laughs> we know he was coming back for the penultimate episode, but now it sounds like he is indeed also in the season finale, which is even better. That's three episodes for uh, for his return as this character. So I'm very, very happy to see that this is uh, the case. So, uh, And this is even more interesting. Entertainment Weekly was the one that broke this. It has confirmed Ryan's Constantine will be back once more for the end of the season, joining returning guest stars Jonah Hex and Jefferson Jackson. Oh, this is going to be amazing. Yes. So... <laughs> How awesome that we're also getting Jonah Hex for the season finale. So that's that's three big characters making a return for that final one. So this is going to be awesome. So uh, I, I, I'm all aboard and ready for this probably insane end to a really fun season. So. Yes, absolutely. All right. Um, the, as we mentioned last week, more than likely that final member of the Doom Patrol would have been cast, and we were indeed correct. Dwayne Murphy has been cast as Negative Man. So this is the final piece of the puzzle for what we'll see in Episode 5 of the Titans TV show when we see everybody in the mix. So this is pretty awesome. Uh, Edwin Murphy is from the Strain and Star Trek Discovery. So this is... a uh, this is pretty cool. So we'll be joining uh, Bruno Barish, who is playing Dr. Niles Calder, a.k.a. The Chief. April, uh, uh, I think it's Bulby, as Elastigirl. Jake Michaels as Cliff, Robot Man, Steel. And now him joining the ranks as Negative Man. So the Doom Patrol is fully cast. Um, hopefully very soon we'll start seeing some photos and that trailer that I know the two of us are dying to see. So. <laughs> you beat me to it. I, yeah. I, I always end our stories about Teen Titans with, I want to see a trailer. All right, so that does it for the news. Very late week this week, but uh, some really interesting stories. So Yeah. Uh, all right, so recommendations. I really don't have anything this week. I recommend you go back and rewatch Arrow. No, don't do that. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything this week. My recommendation actually this week is uh, read out that voicemail number. I want to hear people's thoughts on Arrow. I really want to hear people just oh. give us a call and give us – even if it's a quick second or two, I really want to hear that. I do really we, want to hear what people do we, say. Do we really want to do that? <laughs> I, absolutely, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. Uh, um, no, I'm, I'm very curious about it, too. I want to hear what other people have to think. So um, the voicemail line for DC Primetime Voicemail is 1-888-247-5380. It's toll-free in the U.S. and Canada. Um, you've heard our rants. You've heard our raves. Not raves. Uh, you've heard our rants. Um, yeah. Send us a voicemail and tell us your thoughts on Arrow. Uh, where do you think the show could go from here? Uh, do you share our opinions about Black Harry being irredeemable at this point? Just if you if you enjoyed the episode, tell us you enjoyed the episode and let us know why. But uh, yeah, one eight 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 two four seven five three eight zero toll free in the U.S. and Canada. Call us, leave us a voicemail, and tell us your thoughts on, on the episode. Yeah. Oh. Man. Oh, 
All right. So again. <laughs> yeah, uh, cheap plugs and then we can uh, we can get out of here. But you can find this podcast as well as all the other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com, uh, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline, and of course the Facebook page for this one, uh, for this podcast, DC Primetime, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, as for me, you can also find me through nextlevelradioonline.com through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. Uh, we are recording the musical episode this Wednesday night. Um, man, I am just ready for it, and it sounds like it's going to be fun. And I think we did indeed get somebody else in the mix who is one of the biggest musical geeks I know and has an amazing voice. So maybe we'll, there'll be a little bit of singing in the episode because I definitely know there's quite a few people that are going to be on this cast that have exceptional pipes so uh it's a big wait and see but i'm looking forward to recording that ben i don't know if you were joining us this week uh we're gonna see uh i gotta i still have to see how this week but is is shaping up but i should know within the next day or two if i'm gonna be up there so so yep keep your eyes peeled for that or actually your ears peeled for that um (laughs) coming later hopefully this week i'm gonna probably try to do the turnaround on that pretty quick since we were a little bit behind uh but aside from that always a big special thanks to our good friend george shaw at georgeshawmusic.com who offers up some exceptional tunes you get to hear every week on this podcast please make sure to go over to his website check out his soundcloud and support the guy because man his stuff is phenomenal yeah um and also reiterate once again just to bookend this entire podcast man i cannot wait two weeks we record our hundredth uh and uh, there's still more irons in the fire so our hundredth can potentially grow but for the guests that we already have i cannot wait one for us to be able to speak to this person uh and two for you guys to be able to hear it because it's it's gonna be fun i'm really no joke like i you know, if you watch these shows, you know who this person is. I don't want to. I don't want to build this up, and then you have no idea who this person is. If you watch these shows, I promise you, you know who this person is, and you will be very happy that they're joining us. I will yes, say that. <laughs> I cannot wait. And I also have to say that when I reached out to this person's uh, representative, this person's management, um, he got the message to this person. And told this person that this is our hundredth. So he, one, is very excited to have this person join us for our hundredth. But their manager also, he also sent this person um, previous episodes. So he will be completely in the know how we are which is always great when that happens because there's been so many times I've had guests on the showcast and they have no idea who we are. Uh, And the times that we've had people actually listen to us in advance, the interviews have always been so much better. So this person, I seriously cannot wait to talk to them, cannot wait for you guys to hear it. Absolutely. Uh, But thank you once again for being a part of the community. Thank you for subscribing, for listening, for sharing all that you guys do. Uh, But that's going to wrap things up for this this week. Next week episode. Oh, oh, one final thing. Next week, we will also announce our uh, last or this month's uh, fan of the month because we still have to do that for uh, this one. Oh, yeah. We we already have for February. Yeah, we got to do February's because uh, um, Kevin's stuff is on his on the way to him, and it is time to pick the next one. So uh, we will. We got to figure out what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think maybe we'll keep with the same prize for right now because I really love that love that idea for the moment. Uh, okay. But as we head into spring, I think it'll be time to switch it up. Um, All right. Yeah. So 
Issue so, 99, we will announce February's Fan of the Month. Absolutely. Cool. So, uh, But yeah, thank you for being a part of the community. Until next week, we will see you guys around the band. Take care. Peace.